It's your boy, Flavor Flav, and this is Chris Angel's Talking Junkies. This is incredible. You know, I am so blessed to be able to do this show, Mind Freak, at Planet Hollywood in Vegas, because you never know who's going to come and see the show, and then I can basically make them feel obligated to do Talking Junkies. We are with the legend. I'm talking about the longest member of SNL, actor, many movies, comedian, the hilarious Kenan Thompson. Well, thank you very much. Man. Thank you so much for being here. That show was incredible. Thanks for having me. This <laughs> night was amazing. Like, I was sitting behind him, I saw him so nice. raise his hand. Just I'm telling you, Completely, it's real. like, just blown away. It actually made it more fun for me. Because I, I like, told you I was going to get into it. I get really into amazing. magic, and, like, I love... Whatever, anybody trying to entertain anybody, you know what I mean? Have you ever done magic? Do that. No, but like I'm a big fan of, yeah, you, like any other magician that I've seen, like do it very well. And you just did it, you just did like 10 iconic fucking tricks in front of people that are like historic. And you, you. like you're doing it every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, like yeah. you're out of your mind. That's amazing. Thank you. And, and no, and, and you know, um, I don't know if you were a fan of Steve Martin or still are. Absolutely. But Steve Martin started off as a magician. Yes, he did. Right? Um, which is fascinating. He used to do Carson and and, and he would do um, a Fly Dini, which was based off of Sly Dini, who was like one of the pioneer close-up artists. And he would do this kind of spoof called the Great Fly Dini, I believe it was. And he would do a, a thing from his fly, his zipper. And he would have all these crazy things happening from his zipper, but... Well, we you all know, know that, right? Yeah. Co comedy is such a huge, as you can see in the show, but I'm not a funny guy. In real life, I'm very serious, but on stage, like, it's all about timing. And I have so much respect for comedians. And like what blows my mind and really what I want to drill down on is the fact that you do SNL live. Yeah. You know, like if we screw up right now, we can, we can do it again. But I would love to hear some of the craziest experience because you've been there for over 20 years. Yeah. The craziest experiences that you've had happen live. Well, I mean, the whole thing is is crazy each time that's why like 20 years goes by you know you know you look up and you know 20 years is like in the past or on tape or whatever you know what i'm saying and like it's hard for me to gauge like what i was doing each and every day all those days but like i mean i kind of know like i'm a parent now <laughs> you know i had a marriage and like <laughs> that kind of stuff and i gauge it that way or whatever but it was a lot of fucking crazy ass moments man that ashley simpson shit was crazy like give, give us give oh, us like one what's the ashley simpson is that Ashley the, Simpson that, was the craziest one that I ever saw because yeah, it was just, you know, most, you know, as comedians, you know, we learn to kind of roll with it. You know what I mean? Like whatever happens, like it's funnier if you embrace the moment kind of thing. That's what everybody loves about live television. But she kind of just, you know, shut down and checked out of it. And like, I've never seen anybody do that before. You know what I mean? Like this is Saturday Night Live. You're supposed to like go up there and like sing live and like be you know full of enough talent to like be there you know of caliber whatever but it, it was a mistake like they started playing the first song again and you know her computer just shut down and she gave up you know what i mean and like what was that like for you i was backstage because i was in the very next sketch or whatever so this was like in my first couple few years or whatever so i was very present in the studio always i didn't want to miss anything you know i was always around even if I, my sketch was like you know 20 minutes later, I would just be around just to make sure like I didn't miss it or whatever. So I was just backstage ready, you know, like, and I had, 
her song and commercial time to like get my shit together and get, you know, to the stage. But I was just back there ready. You know what I mean? And I was watching on like this tiny little monitor or whatever. <laughs> and I saw her do that, you know, dumbass dance. And she just, you know, trotted off stage. <laughs> and, you know, like they went to commercial. And I didn't know what they were going to do. They went to commercial. And then lights came up on my set, you know what I mean? Because it was dark where I was at first. And then the lights came up. I was like, oh, shit, I guess they're just going to move on. You know? And they just moved on. That's funny. I, I never thought about that. As far as entertainers go, a comedian naturally has to be able to improvise, adapt, and overcome. Because between hecklers, between reading a room, oh, yeah. you guys are constantly making adjustments on the fly. Yeah. Or is it say, you're natural up there, it's a man. Set, so she wouldn't know how to... Things fall apart. Their mind isn't as adapted as you guys as far as like, oh, I gotta, yeah, I gotta fucking make some adjustments real quick and float with this. Yeah, and it's a little more you, rehearsed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a pattern she has to follow. Yeah. She's reading words with you guys. Like I said, you she make adjustments. Fucking shut down and was like, this is not my fault and I'm not She's dealing with this. So as opposed worse. to just being like, uh, mistake, you know, start it over or whatever and embrace the moment and then, and then like singing. This is your moment. You know, yeah. this is Saturday Night Live. Down, it look even worse. You know, but I, I think she was just young for, for you know, a, a situation like that to just derail like that. She didn't have the chops to like know how to handle. I have, I, I've had a lot of crazy experiences. I've had a woman on stage with her top that fell down and she's yeah. bare naked, no bra, nothing, you know, which was hysterical. It's pretty awesome. I've had, I've had the fire alarm go off and the entire audience had to go to the parking lot, including myself. And then what did you do? I, I, 30 minutes out in the parking lot, and then I had to come back and win them over. You know, that tests your ability. And I think, you know, those moments, you know, even when I did kids' parties, clubs, you know, it really builds like a comedian that goes and plays in the small clubs. That's where you build the chops. It's not like I'm doing a show tonight. Tonight I did a show with my experience since I was, you know, 11 years old when I first started performing. And it's all those years that make you a seasoned performer like you like how do you deal with the nerves like the first time that you're doing snl and you know it's live you know there's no fuck up opportunity for you you got to be on you have lauren watching you have you know millions of people how do you how do you manage um the nerves it's my least favorite part of it you know it's like a, a big reason why i don't really do stand up you know um like i just hate living with something that I fear so much all day long and then you go up and perform and it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, because you do have the ability to do it, but you care. It was what I've been told. Like, you get nervous because you care yeah. and you want to do a good show so it's on your mind. But, you know, acting for me is, you know, much more smoother. You know what I mean? Because I've been trained to be an actor. I wasn't trained to be like an observer so I can make any audience laugh at anything necessarily. Like, I'm a performer. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But nerves... Nerves when it's time for the live show, it always it's always there. Can work for you or against you. Depends how you redirect it. I try to turn it into adrenaline. Yeah. I charge myself up and mm -hmm. I just get excited about everything. I get excited about the band playing the warm-up music. I sing a fucking warm-up song before both shows. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, with some of my castmates, you know, that are singing like backup and shit like that. With the band, blah, blah, blah. Just warming up the audience before the show. You know, been doing that for several years you know what i mean and i just try to like get excited about everything that way my performance will be high energy and if it's you know a fuck up then it'll be a high energy fuck up you know what i'm saying <laughs> and like we'll just embrace that and that'll be the party you know but i've had my days where i let my nerves get the better of me and 
it's so much more fun to just be like, no, like, just let it go. Treat it like it's not live television. Yeah. Just have fun like with it's it. Like, yeah, you're here with your friends. The audience is friendly. Like, it's a comedy show. You know what yeah. I mean? They're not coming to see a Western. So, like, everybody's <laughs> in a good mood. You know what I mean? They want to, like, celebrate life and, like, they're giving us an hour and a half of their attention. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I just want to like service that basically. I'm still bugging out that everybody here is very calm after we just watched you flying around us. Hey, <laughs> like what is happening? I don't understand. We should do a spoof. Like you're levitating. Yes. Like that would be hysterical. Yeah, and then we have percent. like these big lines on you and it's supposed to be painted out. We could create not a working. whole yeah. skit about you're but the great, you know, there whatever. There was no lines. There was no lines. You were flying. No, I'm, I'm just saying. That's we just crazy. put like some thick, make it really oh, for funny. for the joke. Absolutely. For your show. Like, but you're the one who's the magician and we have a competition and it's not even me. Maybe I'm David Blaine. Yeah, sure. Because I can do his total shit. That kind of shit works on the show. Uh, it'd be hysterical. You Who jumping in the characters is great. Favorite, like a guest, because you've had so many incredible guests on there, yeah. but a guest that you're just like, Frank, like you're a comedian, you love doing comedy too on stage, but like a guest that you would just die to like me and now you're like doing a scene, a skit with them, like. Yeah, Eddie was, Eddie was definitely one of those, you know, Sandler too. I mean, I have a list of them because like that place is so special, but Eddie Murphy for sure was like, we never thought it would happen. You know, he was the one that like semi kind of got away and never came back, you right. know what I mean? And like. We just never thought that he would ever come back and do the show ever because I'm I'm sure the door has been open since 88, you know what I'm saying? And then like come back and host, he just never did it. And he ended up doing it. And that was a Christmas show and it was a fucking magical time. You know what I mean? It Refresh everybody's thing. memories who are watching or listening. Who Eddie Murphy what, is? No, <laughs> what, <laughs> what the skit was, you did it with him? I mean, we I was in the monologue with him, which okay. was crazy. So it so was- tell me about that. Eddie Murphy comes out after a 30-year, maybe 35-year departure from the show, like probably one of the biggest stars to come out of the show, if not the biggest, you know, like movie stars or whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden he's just there. He's there. And, you know, we have our host for six days. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he's you there like for a couple hours. Yeah, spending time. And, like, you know, in a black household, Eddie Murphy was – you know, definitely the like king. the king in my generation for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like by far. Like he gave it up to Richard, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and Cosby did his thing or whatever. But like Eddie was the movie star. You know what I'm saying? He was like the golden child. He, if you he will. did a movie. You know? Golden child. So all of a sudden he's just in the same hallways that I've been like running around in, like, you know, playing with my castmates, you know, smoking in, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like <laughs> hanging out. And like they the one of your like iconic, like legendary, you know, icon, mentor kind of people is just around you all of a sudden, you know, and in your stomping grounds and asking you your opinions about things. You know what I mean? It was wild. So the monologue was him and then four other legends come out, Dave Chappelle, Tracy Morgan and wow. Chris Rock. And then, you know, Michael Che wrote me into it. You know what I mean? So it was just like a picture of all five of us, which like I have to this day. It's like my most cherished moment probably on the show. That had to be probably one of the most nerve wracking moments. You're sitting there with Crazy. people you've admired before you were famous and you're like watching them on, you know, on television and movies. And now you're on scene. It must be like almost surreal. It was 
insane because I have an affinity for all of those guys. I'm a huge fan of them all, but I've been a, I've been so blessed to develop a relationship with all of them individually over the years. Tracy first, you know, Tracy was right. always the realest. Yeah. You know, and I had to, you know, work on Chris because he doesn't just, you know, give yeah. over his kindness. You know what I mean? You have to kind of earn it. Dave has always been a real one, but, you know, he's another one that's like kind of on God status. You know what I'm saying? So like it's few and far between when he comes around kind of thing. But luckily enough, I've been in that place to where those guys come around that place. And I've been able to build a relationship with all of them and then to stand on the stage with all of them next to the GOAT. Yeah, Eddie, you know, having his night and we're just there to support that. It just felt very pro-black, very special. It was awesome. And people loved it. Yeah. People went crazy for it. Because and it was it fucking was Christmas historic. time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it magical. Yep. That's a beautiful thing. Frank, here he is. I know. You want to do stand-up. What advice? Do well, you want to ask him anything? When you guys were talking about things, you were talking about the difference between acting and doing stand-up. And I realized when you said you're nervous, it's because I think all humans were afraid of being judged. Right. Us being judged. So as a comedian, when you go up on stage, that's who you are. You're expressing your thoughts, your ideas. As a fighter, when we walk out there, that's who we are. So if we don't perform well, we suck. Yeah. But when it's you say you're an actor and you're following lines, you get to be somebody else. It's not necessarily you. So I think that's why the nerves are not as crazy. Because I remember when I've done just stand -up, you out there. I actually walked back behind the curtain. I started shadow boxing, moved around. People were like, what? I'm like, man, this is the same exact feeling I get right before I walk same out. Same type of nerves. Same type of nerves. I'm like, again, it's because it's, as a comedian, you walk out there, you're being judged. Those are your ideas, your concepts, your thoughts. And so I think that's what just makes it so, uh, so nerve-wracking for people. The, the crazy thing is, is that if you bomb in comedy, you walk off the stage with your tail between your legs. <laughs> if you bomb in doing what you do, yeah, you're, you're like taking the hospital. Yeah, yeah, that being said, like, <laughs> I always uh, wonder about this, because, like, uh, as far as, like, you know, I've never had a heckler yet, you know? You know, I make sure there's only one exit, so I know where to stand. If, if you had a heckler, what would you do? Well, well, but, well, you would try to, you know, obviously there's a word of wits and I have the mic, so you should be able to do better. But have you ever had an, a situation where the heckler actually got the better of you? One specific heckler, no, because I don't do stand-up necessarily. Like, I've done some college games okay. where I've, like, been up there with just me and a microphone for an hour, basically. And, like, I would tell my story for a half an hour and then I would Q&A it for a half an hour. Okay. Some shows went great. Some shows motherfuckers started walking out of the Q&A because they're there to see what they think is, you know, supposed to be a show, like okay. a stand-up show and everything's supposed to be like working Andy out. Like It's supposed to be a show, right. 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 So seeing people walking out of the show, that's like that, contract. yeah, it's like, 1 wow. million percent, it's like, yo, the Q&A is my Well, yeah, because the Q&A is my favorite part. That's the only part that actually really changes. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what's going to be special for this specific show. And they weren't embracing that. You know what I mean? And there was no way I could kind of explain that. It was just like, Oh, yeah, fuck this guy. He's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're being rejected. And I was like, oh, y'all got, you know, better shit to do in fucking, yeah. I don't know, Oshkosh tonight. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're walking out on my shit. And like, yeah. some of those Q&As are fucking, like, really brilliant moments. Like, like, I've had people, her, like, uh, propose to people. But never ignored, right? Yeah. Like, There's a reason why we say But that. that judgment is real, man, you know? And, like, yeah, that, that explains a lot. That's a good word for it. Like, the fear of being judged because... Yeah. Yeah, like when it's going well, you're you're fearless, and when it's it's going wrong, if you're new to it, it's terrifying. Well, and it is everybody's number one fear, right? They say, "What's the number one fear?" Yep. Everybody talks about it's public, public speaking. speaking, right? Yeah. Well, why? Because 
you're being judged. It's just your you. character, you're, who you are, is up there. And and as humans, you know, if, if the tribe doesn't like me, that's bad. You know, yeah. what I mean? like that's not a good thing. So like, we want to fit in. We want to be liked. That's just, that's human like, nature. Even that excuse of like, oh, that audience was weird. It it just doesn't land as hard as it was probably me. I probably wasn't funny enough for that group. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if your shit is funny. No, but so you, so what you're saying? Let me let me translate this because I've had this conversation with. Um, you know, lots of different uh, folks. And um, you think there's a, such thing as a bad audience? Or like Andrew Dice Clay I've had this conversation with and Tom Green and a lot of different comedians. Do you think there's a such thing as a bad audience? I do. I think there's different energies for sure. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we have two different audiences because it's... it's been shown to me a lot of times that yeah it's two different experiences with two different audiences some audiences like you just have to gauge what's going on in the world like the live audience if it's if it's winter time they've been in the city it might be raining it might be cold it's getting late you know what i mean blah 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 their energy might be down you know like the dress rehearsal might be off the hook and then like you know the live audience is just not that impressed you know what I mean? and snl do you have ever had a heckler? No, they usually get shown yeah. the door, so they'll get like one comment out or whatever, but yeah, one you know, they get descended on pretty quick. You <laughs> well, know what I mean? And by you saying that, you think that maybe there's two different outlooks on it. If a person says there's a bad audience, you think they're projecting that they failed and say, like, okay, it was the audience. No, no, I can tell you by doing this show as much as I do this show in Vegas, that to your point, there's different energies and there are better. Last night was a better audience than tonight. I'm being honest. Really? With you. And yeah. you had so much energy tonight. I was blown away. I well, was yeah. Like, I'm doing, doing it. I even told Jennifer, I'm like, oh man, his his energy, his body. He's the audience great. stood up and did their thing, but the energy started off slow. And 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 if you notice, when I first came out, it then picked up after the razor blades, the bird, act, the metamorphosis really hooked them. And then they started responding because I'm used to, and this sounds really conceited, but Vegas, you go see a Cirque du Soleil show, people, it's like golf applause. You come see my show, people give me standing ovations throughout the show. Like, I've never seen so many standing ovations. Yeah, and it's not like my friends. That's <laughs> like honest, real people. No, 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 I really wish I would have been here yesterday. You be doing wild shit on the stage, great. man. Like, ain't nobody talking about this. Like, why are y'all chilling right now, man? Yeah. That's my <laughs> That was funny, man. Every time it's I'm crazy. Behind, you were doing something, you just literally, this is close. Yo. <laughs> like, what the, the straight fuck? jacket was one of my favorites. Like, that was so, like, visually, and like, the, it, the experience was so immersive. That's like, your show is very immersive. It's It's super. I recommend it highly for anybody to see it as many times as you can because my my buddy Johnny over there, like he said, he saw it in May and it's ninety percent different. You know what I mean? Like that's too much. That's wild. Several every day, every day. I was gonna ask you how many shows a year are you doing? I was doing four hundred and sixty plus touring, so I was doing about five hundred a year. Now I'm down to about two hundred plus, but. You know, it's 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 something that I that I do, and it's a love hate relationship. Uh, I love performing it, and I hate performing it because you know I wake up like I'm training with a monster over here, and so like I have an MMA gym. And in he my trains home, hard. You don't believe what I'm training I don't do. eat. I don't. I haven't eaten today. He does. I, hero, you heard of hero fasting? This guy eats once a day. 
So it means he works out with me for four hours, and he's worked out an hour before I get there. He does 66 minutes of cardio, lifts weights. Then I get there, and we do a two to four hour workout. And then he comes and does the show. I'm like, bro, I really this is my don't meal. think that's. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was told gonna you ask, what was in that red cup, man? I told what was in that red cup, man? I don't know how you do that because yeah. then, because it's not like he's like going to work and digging a hole. It's like he's got to go up on stage and have personality, be enthusiastic, all of it. You know, straight sharp. Like, wow, man! Like, yeah. how do you? I'm blown away by it because I know what he goes through before he gets up there. Yeah, and I'm gonna eat when I go home tonight. But, you know, for me, as a 55-year-old man, I look back at the days of the Rat Pack. You got Sammy, yeah. Frank Sinatra. Nightly killing it. All these legends, you know? And, and um, it blows my mind. And to be able to have the opportunity to perform in Vegas and to do what I love to do for the most part, what I dreamt about doing as a child, I am so blessed. And I have to remind myself of that. And to get to meet people like you, you know, I, I, I don't know the name of the movie, so forgive me. We had no time to do any research. You know that, right? I just literally, you saw the show and I was like, hey, dude, would you do the podcast? Frank happened to be here. This is not planned. And it's like the planets align. Well, no, I know but you had this hysterical a teenager, so movie. I bring it up like you ever see that movie he did with, about the burger? Yeah, like, what a burger. That's what I was going to say. But yeah. he was like, well, you're about 16, good 18. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. burger, good burger. Like you started, yeah. so how old were you when you started this business? I mean, I got my first like paycheck when I guess I was like 12-ish. What did you do at 12? Nickelodeon? No, it was a fried chicken commercial for like a fried chicken restaurant. And, uh, it wasn't even in Georgia, so I never saw the commercial. Like, it was in all the surrounding states or whatever. But they paid me 800 bucks. And, like, 800 bucks at 12 years old might as well have been $800 million. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right. So I'm I was mad. hooked immediately. But I had done theater since, you know, kind of kindergarten. So you you love this from ever since you can remember. And I liked looking out and seeing smiles, yes. I remember that being the most kind of simple aspect of what performing kind of is you know what i mean like i wasn't necessarily a joke teller but i enjoyed amusing people if you will so do you like when you're young you're doing what people give you scripts that you that you're given but now yeah do you write skits and you do your own even on snl or do mm -hmm. you're, you are you one of the writers or do you just if i have an idea and interpret it yeah, if I have an idea, yeah, and I, you know, I always also wanted to be a good, you know, servicer of other people's ideas as well. So, you know, writers write for me a lot because um, I'm, you know, very ensemble-minded, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, yeah, if I have an idea, I'll bring it to them and, you know, help, like, sit through the, you know, grueling process of writing a sketch. You know what I'm saying? Like, when it's, you it's were a young, headache for did me. Did you have to, like, did your parents, as far as, like, you always hear the nightmares of child actors in, in, in mm -hmm. the movie industry in Hollywood. Were yeah. your parents very hands-on protecting you? Did you have a mentor that did well, your manager? Like, yeah. how, how did how, that navigation, how did you see it? I would say all of the above, but I was also, like, you know, 15 before my first movie, so I was, you know, kind of pretty locked into who I Which was movie? going but to But I mean, be. I can still be young enough to be The Mighty young. Ducks too. Mighty Ducks. You did a yeah. couple of those. Two and three. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that was a big, you know, franchise. Oh, yeah. yeah, I get free hockey tickets to this day because of it. <laughs> Seriously, you know absolutely, absolutely. For any any, I'm in, I'm in. Really? I got NHL love, like for real. And like people that play hockey, you know, current hockey players tell me all the time they grew up on the movie and blah blah blah. So it's a lot of love and respect for that that franchise. Like it was a real one. I mean, I did the. I think opening. they can tell they taught us how to fucking skate. I did the opening for the.
NHL that was yeah, the playoff games um, for the Golden Knights uh-huh. and whoever they were playing at the time. And I, I shot it and I spent the day and it was really good. I was like commentary and just really cool stuff. And they loved it. And I got tickets to go to the uh, game, but they were like in the nosebleeds. I was like, seriously? Uh, really? No, 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 no. I need, I need your connections I got apparently, it. or I need to go to the game with you because I love hockey. I love Can't the you just violence. Like snap your finger and be in the front row kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not that good. No, poof. I'm not that. I'll teach you some stuff off camera and you'll see that. You do card stuff? Of course. Yeah. I do close up. I do all sorts of things, but you know what? Um, as I as I get older, I have three beautiful children. So I do the show. I train like a maniac because my goal is my black belt yeah. in MMA. That's my goal. That's my dream since I was like 14 years young. Actually, probably 1979 when I was in Greece, I asked my dad if I could take karate. And that's been a dream of mine since then. So for me, it's about, you know, accomplishing things for myself. And, um, you know, I love, I love, I just saw Eddie Griffin who had an amazing show at, right here on Planet Hollywood at the Sax Theater. I love comedy. I love the things that I love. I want to immerse myself in. Like, you know, I just, I just love that. SNL was a show that I grew up on, you know, because let's face it, before there was, you know, 2000 channels and streaming companies, you know, there was like three networks and then you had Fox jump in there, which wasn't technically a network at the time. But but SNL on a Saturday night at 11 o'clock, you know, was just an opportunity to see, you know, some amazing comedians, some amazing skits uh, and celebrities and bands that you like loved and artists that like it, that was the only game in town. So for me to have you here as, you know, somebody who was the longest running cast. I mean, how does that make you feel as the dude that's the longest on that show than anyone else? And you had like, I love Will Farrell. I love Adam Sandler. I love these people. I love them all, man. I love Eddie McElroy might be one of the most brilliant people walking the planet. Seriously. A thousand percent. Why do you say that? Listen to him talk. You know what I mean? He's a highly educated individual, but he's also, like, highly acceptable to, like, ideas that people might not be aware of, like, aliens and ghosts and, like, all that shit is real. That shit comes from a real place. Ghostbusters, like, comes from his real experience. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, you know, oh, Casper the Friendly Ghost should have an adult version movie kind of thing. It's like, no, these motherfuckers be experiencing, like, real shit or whatever, especially coming from his dad. Just listen to him talk. But... He takes that and puts it into comedy, you know what I'm saying? And into like movie writing and shit like that. And his sketches are brilliant. Like if you watch his sketches back in the day, like when he's doing the like fishomatic or whatever, <laughs> that motherfucker is running down dialogue that is pages worth because he's speaking so fast it doesn't seem like it, but he's saying a lot of shit. And if you slow it down and like word for word it, bruh, it is a list of shit. And that takes high intelligence, but also like high talent. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like there's been some insanely talented people, you know, coming in and out of those doors. And I walk past all their headshots every day when I go to work there. It's incredible. So to be the longest person that's worked there, I don't, I don't man. How, I how have is no idea how to, to get work to. for it? He's oh, great. Wait. A very gentle, 
Canadian little small Jewish man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but the dude has cool. been in the game since the beginning. He's hyper smart, heard it all, knows but always willing to listen to someone else's version of it. You know what I mean? If you got a new version of it and it works, he's he gets very excited about that. Um, and he's a people lover too, and he's a people giver because he's a concert promoter. You know what I mean? He had his own like comedy thing when he was you know younger or whatever. But his favorite lane, I think, was promoting concerts because. He likes knowing powerful people and then putting powerful people on display. And then he would have the uh, rap party, right? And I'm sure you've been to a million of those rap parties. Yeah, they're good times. There's two parties. There's a dinner party that's like all nice, you know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah. for like, you know, the adult versions of people with jobs. And then there's the, <laughs> the after-after what, after party, the after, if you after will. Party? Where is that? Is he there? It's usually at some club. He, I don't think he goes to those anymore. Um, How old is he now? I want to say he's in his 70s. Is he really? Yeah, like 75 or six, seven, something like that, maybe. Um, and he's still very much involved. Every day. He's there every day. He loves it. He gives notes in between shows every every show. And, he, you know, he gives us the speech. You know, every you know we pitch on Mondays and starts the week in his office, you know, and he gives us a speech. And then on Saturday, in between shows, before the live show, he gives the notes, sketch by sketch, of what's actually going in the show and what we need to work on in the next 20 minutes before yeah. the show goes on. Because it's got to you know be I mean? current events. How yeah. do you, um, and I know you probably have to go, so I don't want to keep you Where am I going? I, I can't go away from a guy that was just flying on stage. <laughs> We're hanging out. out the door to come back. <laughs> We're hanging out. Yeah. You know? I like, learned that shit. How, how do you... Because it's got, like, all right, let me say, you saw my show. You saw my comedy bit, right? Great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Coming from you, that means the world to me. But I had a genuine. Love. You know what I mean? Like, that's a love for people kind of thing. That's my favorite comedy. Like, shit that will work in anybody's house, basically. Well, it took me a long time to hone in and to refine it and to do that. You don't have that opportunity. You're doing a skit and you're literally learning it on a Monday and then you have to perform it, what, five, six days later. Like, how do you, like, I can't even comprehend, you know, what that's like because I have so much time to like dial in my chops to get, because it's a timing. It's like seeing what works because what I always do is I listen to the audience. They'll tell me every night what they like and what they don't like. And I edit my show based on the audience's feedback, their response. But you don't have that opportunity. You can't go out and say, okay, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, I'm going to run out to a comedy shop and like work out my material so that Saturday night I know it's going to kill. And even if you could do that, you couldn't do that shit in four days, five days. How do you how do you have the confidence and and know where that moment is where people are going to laugh and know that it's going to work? That would be like really frightening for me. It is hyper terrifying until you let it go. You know what I mean? You you learn to lean on smarter people, surround yourself with smarter people. You know what I mean? And like there's a lot of very smart writers on that show. They're all brilliant, like very, very brilliant people. And. I use their litmus test as well as the everyday person, like our crew members. You know what I mean? So, so like, they try it out on the crew members? No, I just listen to them when we're right. rehearsing. And okay. they're the, kind of the only ones around, basically, like milling around in the background. And we're rehearsing basically just for the cameras and ourselves, basically. But they're listening. You know what I mean? Like, why Is there a lot of shit? tweaks that happen? Because like, I have done 
some independent movies, some some different commercials. Mm -hmm. and I did Andrew Dice Clay's Showtime series. Yeah. And uh, and I had, you know, he's a dear friend and I'm very grateful for the opportunity, but I yeah. learned my lines. I like dialed them in. Oh yeah. And then and then you get a change. Oh, and, it throws and you're like, shit holy off. shit, I just spent <laughs> how much time remember and I'm a stupid person. Like I was I really was you, I yeah, took the show up in school yeah. and and I didn't go to college. Yeah. Like Frank is a highly intelligent human being. Yeah, I am a stupid yeah. person. Like the fact of the matter like that I'm sure there's a million changes that goes on. Yeah. Right. How do you adapt? I mean, we use cue cards. They they tell you to like make sure you like stay on the cards. Is it a teleprompter or actual cue cards? Actual cue cards. We're like the last show to use like and why? Actual cue why cards. not? Because you have multiple people, I guess. We have. There's multiple people, but also I think it's just Lauren's probably like. Old smart fear of technology. You know what I mean? If one of those prompters goes down, then you got a problem. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's a guy on each card, and the only problem is, are they all going to be in syncopation, you know, with the cards? And sometimes they're not. You know what I mean? Sometimes what this guy do? over here will be a page ahead. What do you do? You have to be a professional and, like, know... Number one, pay attention in rehearsal to know what's off, basically. Right. You know what I mean? You have to just be hyper. Especially if it's your sketch, you're going to be hyper aware of everything anyway. But, but I'm even sure if they screw just up, a perfect, they, they're right? human. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do so you like, do if you're like your next line hasn't come up? Yeah. The guy that has my cards will be on my page or whatever. But the person behind me that has this person that I'm talking to's cards might be a page ahead or some shit. And then that person starts talking before I'm done with my line or whatever. And then you just got to be like, oh, they cut me off early. Do I need to clarify or can I just let that go? You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to roll with the punches. Do you have an inner ear? I have a strong ear. Do you have an inner ear so that somebody could feed you or stuff? Like oh, no, no. kind of Johnny Depp, I hear that when he does a movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has an inner ear and people are feeding him the lines. He doesn't even remember the lines. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why he talks slowly. That's for cool cadence. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Newhart used to do that kind of shit. Like Newhart's timing really? is like that because he's thinking about his lines kind of thing. But no, I'm just hypersensitive and like listening to everybody so I I mean, they teach you that in acting school like just listen to your fellow performers but also when you're doing comedy you gotta listen to the audience too you gotta know when to crank it up when to pull it back blah 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 and i just stop yeah don't just give up <laughs> i've done that too i've loved the line and kind of just like not reacted to that and just let the shit be weird and it was just way too weird you know what i mean like silence is it brings deadly. attention to it probably yep Silence is just... It's a killer. Ay, ay, ay. It's gut-wrenching. And then you're, like, thinking, like... And, and because, you know, when I do an illusion, it's slow motion for me. And it's like, not an I illusion. That shit moment. was real. Yeah, I could see every... <laughs> you were really flying out there, man. I could see every moment as it's happening. So, in the beginning, though, everything is overwhelming because... Yeah. Everything is in hyper. It's like when I first sparred with Frank, like he's throwing punches at me and it's like, holy shit, I'm reacting and I'm overwhelmed. But then when you do it for a little bit of time, you realize, oh, okay, I see that. I read that foot's gonna, he's gonna throw around house. You know, you see the things coming. But like when you're doing a show like that and you're live and you don't have that preparation 
And it's like, even though you're more seasoned because you've been doing it for over 20 years and you don't have like, I just, I just like, honestly have all the respect in the world for you because like that takes a special breed of person, comedian, actor to be able to do that. Cause that shit is it's just so different than anything I'm able to experience. Cause I've never done that much. I did one huge thing that was live television. It was the season finale of mind freak. I had over 50,000 people that showed up to see me escape a building that was going to implode. And the pressure that I felt, it was just insane. I can't imagine that every week. Yeah, it's a, it's insane. And I think we only do it because it has to be done. You know, like Lauren says that all the time. We only put the show up at 1130 because it's 1130. Not that, you know, we're ready to do it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's time to go. You know what I'm saying? So like. What do you prefer? If you had a pick, if you had it for the rest of your life, do one or the other. It's either like live television or movies. What would it be? Live television. Really? Yeah. Movies take too long. They're nice and glamorous and shit, but it just takes too long out of your life. And it's a 12-hour day, especially if you're the movie star. You know what I'm saying? It, you're there. all your. It's all your time. You know what I mean? So however long that movie might be, which is, you know, people talk about like Ezra Miller kind of losing his mind. I get it. If you watch The Flash, that shit is complicated. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure it took a while. And he's going in and out of characters, versions of himself and this, that. And you're like, that's a lot of mental kind of hurricane going on, you know, when the cameras are off even, you know, let alone giving your, you know, time that it, you just give up your life basically for all these hours of the day for years. It's, it's, it's a tough thing. So I love it, you know, because we go back to talking about training. Like I've been, I've been trained for it, you know, and a lot of like SNL people that actually get the job are coming from these Improv houses where they're trained to, you know, it's the most similar experience to the show, Growling, Second City or whatever. It's tougher on stand-ups because a stand-up existence is a more individualized existence. It's not so ensemble-minded, so it's a, you know, and it's not television performing either. Like the Growling and Second City, they teach you to perform kind of like, you know, stage performing, like perform out to where the cameras are. Like a stand-up will actually like turn and like look this way and like forget that there's cameras and shit. You know what I mean? Like. Did you ever break out just like hysterically and you could not compose yourself? I've seen it happen. I haven't had one of those moments where I've like broken down and not been able to perform, but I've been pissed that I was left out of the show for sure. Like, tell me about that. I mean, you get donutted, you know what I'm saying? Like I call it donutted. Yeah. Yeah, Because you just wind up getting a zero. Frank likes the whole, you know, we all do (laughs) the whole family. Um, But I came from having already two shows on Nickelodeon and having a lot of experience. So like not being utilized, you know, felt like a failure on a lot of people's part. And I was heated. Like, why y'all wasting my time with this shit or whatever? It just happens. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, I had sketches that didn't go well, probably, and they got cut. You know what I mean? Did you feel like you were going to be let go of the show before? You always feel that way. Because you you do. You get, you know, you get brought back every year, basically. Like, they make Mm. a decision on you every summer, basically. Still to this day. Like, I get the phone call, like, whether or not they're going to invite me back. And when's the the new season begin? 
hopefully, well, usually in October, but we're striking at the moment. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah well, the writer's strike. And we the, will see, but yeah, I love live television. And so television. you win the new season whenever it happens? Yeah, I'm, awesome. I'll be ready. Um, but, but yeah, my heart, going back to what you were yeah, saying, like, you know, it's it's a tough thing doing the show. Like, my heart goes out to those hosts that aren't entertainers, you know what I'm saying? Because it is a lot to pick up and a lot to, like, trust, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's going to be a lot of changes or whatever, but trust the cue cards. That's, yeah. that's hard for people can, to do. Can you, um, can you tell us, and I don't know if you can, but we would love to know, like, just like, maybe a guest host that was like just awesome and then a guest host that like maybe you had a beef with or just some shit that went down <laughs> like you know just let's talk about beef shall we yeah uh, we love that what, gossip we, right gossip yeah. frank uh, that's, what, that's what you do as a fighter i mean the great <laughs> hosts <laughs> I think are pretty obvious. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody will watch the show and be like, that was a great show. So that more than likely was a great host. You know what I mean? So Eddie, obvious. Agreeable. By far. Any SNL host. alumni. Yeah. They're all great. Like they know the show. It's a week off damn near for us because they can will damn the show. Forget about it. Yeah. Hyper he, funny, but also one of the sweetest people in the world. Really? really? Always has his parents around. Just a Midwestern genuine dude. And it's weird when tall people do that because they come down to your level and they get like in your eyes and shit. And it's like, well, what are you thinking about? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, back up, tall man. Yeah. <laughs> Will Farrell, I heard the crazy story about in California. He was working on some uh, movie that was, um, he was like uh, a Mexican. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? What was that movie? It was called. L something. Yes. It's a Spanish title. He walked in by himself, dressed up in the in the garb, into a Mexican cantina, if you will, and played it off the entire time as that character with no cameras around, no people around. Right, the cantina was just normal people. Yeah. And I feel like he learned Spanish recently for that thing. It wasn't like Is he knew crazy? Spanish all his life. I think he like recently learned. He's a like mental capacity to do that. And yeah, was speaking like that whole movie. He spoke like full Spanish the whole time. It's just crazy. I mean, if you watch wow. You're Welcome America when he was George Bush, then he did that live Broadway right, play yeah. or whatever. Running down a shit ton of information and names and dates and shit like that. He's just, he's got he a brain like that. that. It's like Jim Carrey when he played Andy Kaufman. He was Forget in character. It. If you met Jim Carrey? We know these people's names, I think, for a reason. You know what right. I mean? Like, they, you, you, they know, you know Jim Carrey? What's he like? I am one of the biggest fans of Jim. I had his autograph, like, headshot on my wall growing up as a kid. Is it a check for a million dollars or $10 million? I wish. It was, no, no, I'm just joking. It was that his was headshot. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was like a picture of him and it very generic, like, block letters that said, Hi, Keenan, at the top, and then his signature. So somebody like, you know, kind of wrote that thing and like addressed it to me or whatever. <laughs> and he just like he did. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he signed just a stack and they gave me one or whatever. Um, but, <laughs> well, you know, he's, he's a, yeah, he's a special individual. Like there's not a lot of people that can do what he did. Chris Farley, another one. You know what I mean? Like, Andy Kaufman was before your time. Yeah. I have an affinity for, I just love them because he broke what was reality and what was an illusion. Because people think that illusion is just when you get into what I do, but it's not. Illusion can be 
you know, nothing to do with magic tricks. He created the illusion, like on and off stage, you know, that that no one in comedy that I'm aware of, like people like took the whole wrestling thing serious, the milk and cookies, you know, all of these crazy things that he did. Like, you know, and, and then Lauren was brilliant at capitalizing on his either popularity or not popularity and having this, this, you know, kind of vote. Should we keep him on the show or should we? And you need a guy like that. You need a guy that's got a business mind. Like how, you know, Dave Chappelle talks about like black people get a white friend because somebody needs to talk to the cops when they come around. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. Like Lauren was that guy that was around all these hyper talented hippies, you know, Gilda and Belushi and like all these people that just wanted to do their craft. And someone needed to be the liaison with corporate America. And he does that well. You know were you were you around with Chris Farley? I wasn't, but he came on all that and I was able to perform with him on that show. He and that seemed was like the nicest moment. guy in the world. Are you kidding? Unbelievable. Just a fucking force of happiness and joy and hyper, hyper, like clever, like physical comedy. Intelligent comedy. Yeah, yeah. physical, but also like solid reference. You know what I mean? Like just a good comedian. And like, yeah, he was a great dude. I had the pleasure of, and I know they were good friends, David Spade. Forget about it. Right, David invited me to do his, forgot the name of his television series. It was years ago. He invited me to do it. And I did it. I made his girlfriend disappear. And then he came to see me backstage. And it was like this whole, it was, but he's like, I've known him. I haven't seen him in years, but he is just like him and Farley together. They were brothers, man. It was incredible. But on on camera, they were just magic. Perfect. The yin and the yang. Perfect. Right? Yep. And you, still to this day, like, Dave was a solid dude. Super funny. Like, him and Dana have such a great podcast together. The fact that Dana and David knew each other before they were both on SNL is just crazy. Yeah. It just shows you that there is life outside of, you know, that, you know, kind of legacy kind of existence basically you know that everybody kind of comes from and then also lives through while you're living that experience you know and to see them have that bond and that friendship through something so crazy it's 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 a beautiful thing you know like i wish i had that like i think that's why you know i was so happy when tracy embraced me you know what i mean because i was always looking for that kind of you know big brother like take me under my wing kind of things i've been in the business you know for a long time now you know so like i was always but i'm not a stand-up you know what i mean like that stand-up brotherhood is much more immediate amongst stand-ups kind of thing like actors we kind of fend for ourselves basically a little bit i have one more question for me because you have been more than generous with your time and then if frank wants to ask you something you know um and I just lost it. Go ahead, Frank. Ask it so I can think about what it is. Because right, it disappeared. Well, as far as, you know, too, then, um, mm. as, far as I mean, like the longest tenured uh, uh, cast member. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of repetition doing things, but in in your business, also you have to have your personality. You got to show up. You can't. You know, some people don't realize in the entertainment world, it's sometimes harder than working a normal job. Yeah. Whereas, like, hey man, if you got to dig a hole, whether you have a bad attitude or not, you can dig the hole. Right. But if you got to go up on stage and be, you know charismatic and mm-hmm. turn it on is there anything you've learned to help you have that ability to all right look i'm in front of somebody i got a fans and boom mm-hmm. i gotta flip that switch yeah i mean i just i think one of my bigger blessings is you know i've been able to be very observant 
You know what I mean? And I can observe when people are enjoying my company and when they're not. When they're not. Socially aware. You know are we I mean? enjoying your company? Yeah. I hope so. We because are I've been trying company. to fucking entertain and just process what's happening right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. And, Likewise. like, you just, you just never really, like, know how people are going to, like you said, like, me and your heroes can be a weird thing or whatever. But I always try to, like, you know, be cordial at least. You know what I'm saying? To Have people. you had, like, a weird experience with, like, a hero? Yeah. Like, can yeah, you say there, what happened weird or who people. it was? Or? Well, one of my... People I'll just tell you the story. I won't necessarily <laughs> say who it was or whatever. But one of my heroes, uh, I got a job on a movie, like, the night before because somebody dropped out. And the director called me and... I showed up, you know, whatever, without what any kind of preparation. Um, All right, you can't. I think that would, ah. give, that would give it away. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm already giving it away, like, telling this kind of story okay. because the industry will know kind of whatever. Right. Anyway, I show up the next day. I would already worked with one of the people in the movie or whatever on another movie. And the story is about that person. And it was like, I don't know, I showed up, you know, early, like, 9, 10 a.m. or something and didn't work till 4 or 5, classic movie shit. Right. After lunch or whatever type shit or whatever. So I was there all day. And then my scene was going to be up after lunch, but they wanted to rehearse it before they went to lunch. So I was like, all right, whatever, I'm ready. They came and got me. And then the scene that they were doing previously was on like a third floor of a studio. But the scene that we were about to shoot was like on the first floor. But the PA or somebody took me to where he thought they were going to be because that's right. where they just were. We go up there and nobody's there. I hear his fucking earpiece going off. Where the fuck are you? We got these guys waiting, blah, blah, blah. And it was like a movie with Legends or whatever. And she was like, oh, I don't know where, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we're coming down. Go downstairs. I walk in the room. They're all, it's like this whole room just turned and like, looked at me like I was just holding everybody up being an asshole. I was like, no, 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 no. But I saw my one buddy that was directing. I said hey to him real quick. And then I sat down and I was like saying hi to my acting cohorts for the scene. And I started from the right to the left. And the last person was the person that I knew. But this person was a legend. This person was a legend. I said, hey, how you doing? And then when I got to this person, they were like, oh, sit the fuck down already in front of like all Seriously? Yeah. What did you do? I looked at him like he was crazy, but I didn't like, you know, do anything necessarily. I just sat down and got into the scene, and we had to like work for the rest of the day as well. You know, you what I'm need saying? a friend so, like, like Frank. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, you know, like actually, why, where, you know what I mean? Like, wants, why would you do that all the time? Yeah, like, why well, embarrass you? Like, it's stupid. Some people are just, you know, they don't realize what they're doing maybe in the moment. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they it just could just be a total kind of thing. Yeah. Huh? A lot Frank, of that as well. Some people are just assholes. Yeah. And that as well. And then, like, <laughs> when it's, like, one of your heroes, you don't want to just, like, bottom line them to being just a fucking dick. You know what I'm saying? Well, we turn like, our cameras off. You're going to tell me who it was because I'm dying to know. Yeah, yeah. But I won't say nothing. And, in, and my final question is, we have a common friend who might, might be calling right now. I'm talking about Mike Tyson. Yeah. Mike is the bomb. The best. Right? And, and, and what are you doing or what have you done with Mike? Well, I mean, Mike is a good friend and he's invested in our production company. My buddy Johnny, like, flipped his whole weed company on his head. Like, he had, like, Tyson weed and he took Tyson weed because it was, like, a lot of 
bad business going on or whatever right. and like developed Tyson 2.0 but then he also gave them the brilliant idea of Mike Bites which is his like weed edibles that are like shaped the like ear, ears like Holyfield <laughs> that guy right there is fucking right. idea you know what I mean just but did you were you involved shit. with this live show and yeah we produced like all his, like, man, my, my buddy like produced the fight you know what I'm right. saying and then like whatever else kind of live shit you know hopefully we'll be the producers on it and shit like that but awesome. it's also in the family you know, like just friends of like him and his wife, and like, yeah, you know, he's just a he's a good dude. Kiki's like his awesome. podcast, yeah, Kiki's awesome. Yeah, and his brother, you know, his brother-in-law Zim, you know, he's one of our you know investors too, or like one of our partners. You know, it's just a very family kind of movement. With Mike, without me, really haven't been around him much. I've only met him like twice or whatever. But yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's cool. He, he's an awesome, awesome dude. And maniac. I <laughs> yeah, he 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 he's chilled a lot because I I I I used to hang out with him in 2000 and I want to say five or six, Tommy when was that 2005 or six and you you survived yeah no it was he used to hang out we used to go out and yeah. we'd hang out at uh, clubs and you know and I'm just so like so happy for him that you know like he has Kiki and he's a big giant heart yeah you know he has mean? a great heart yeah. and uh, he comes. He's been to my house and he supports the pediatric cancer stuff. He's yeah, just a, sure. an awesome dude. And, you know, I, I did his, his hotboxing a podcast, which was fun. But yeah. uh, no, Same. you know, like you, you meet someone like him and you're just like, that dude is for real. I want yeah. Frank to meet. I want to get him at the at my gym and, and teach us his, uh, his Tyson. I mean, when you know how to break people, do what do, do you even get angry anymore? Or do you try to avoid that like the incredible? No, he hope? gets angry. <laughs> 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 well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, are we recording this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us. You, you want to, this just really just quick. Like if you one, want to hear us, like this is fun one, stuff. What's one good trigger well, for well, you that you just can't let go? And also tell them like about how you started at Spearmint. And like how many people you beat up a week? Oh, uh, <laughs> so I'm not making this up. This is true. Right, look, there's a technique that I use as far as part of my uh, self-defense curriculum. Because mm -hmm. you know, you know, MMA, mixed martial arts is great when you're fighting, but a lot of times, you know, we start out in a fighting stance ready to go. So there's some techniques I call neutral stance, where I mm -hmm. teach it from people that are chest to chest. And so when I'm describing this and teaching it to Chris, it's like, well, you know, have you done this before? I'm like four or 500 times. Like what? I'm like, I've probably choked out unconscious four to 500 people with this maneuver. And I've only had a few ever, you know, stop me or, or give me an issue with it. Yeah. And so, uh, there's a lot of reps and practice that. And it's funny because at the club it was great because people stood there, hey man, you know, try to talk to them, explain what's going on, and they get angry. And, it was a and a lot of guys have a lot of bravado yeah. when it first starts off, but they just have no concept. They don't realize, you know, they're a, they're a gazelle and I'm a lion. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, the great thing is that the work about putting someone out with the choke is that, you know, when they wake up, they're extremely calm. Yeah. Very receptive to the yeah, instructions absolutely. I have at that moment. So yeah. guys sit there and they look up and I'm like, hey man, so I think we had a misunderstanding. Um, I, I, obviously I'm not here to hurt you because right. I could have. Do you want to step outside and start over, you know? And most of right. them, yeah, yeah, buddy, let's go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So those techniques I got to actually imply or employ uh, to a great, uh, <laughs> a lot of reps. Yeah. Let, let me just say it this way because he's very modest and humble. When you are in the UFC, you're dealing with killers. And when you're in the heavyweight division, which is the most difficult and challenging division in the world, and you're the champion two times, 
and you have broken more bones, more submissions than pretty much anyone else. Um, it really speaks volumes. Um, and to still just be chill. You know, oh, I mean, like you could be walking around. Well, you know with what? Like I think a, a lot of guys aren't chill because they want to prove a point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, you know, and I always hated some of my partners or bouncers that do that. Do we have a situation that was settled? You know what I mean? Yeah. You could see that it was coming to a resolution. Right. And they wanted to uh, go ahead and instigate. Because it made them feel good to beat somebody up. I'm like, all right, man, beating yeah. up some drunk guy at a bar, if that's your, uh, you're, you're, you're going to go home and that's what you're going to hang your hat on, dude, get some confidence, you know, yeah. chill out. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not that important. Right. So you do kind of like, you know, you don't sit there and worry about some of the things that other people worry about. Because, you know, some guys go home, like, I wonder if that guy thinks I can kick his ass or not. Yeah. I don't care whether you think. So that'd be like a gazelle worried that if the lion could eat him or not. I'm like, right. dude. I could. I don't yeah. need to prove it. I don't care. Right. Yeah. But he, here's the thing. If you ever. I feel like that. Dog. If <laughs> you ever want to do a class, just basic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That will change your life. Absolutely. Literally in three or four Can seconds. Can we do it over Zoom? Yeah. <laughs> no, you come to my gym. Like when you're in Vegas. Three to four yeah. seconds, you will literally put somebody out unconscious from what we call stance, which is. You know how fights usually start a guy in front of you, you know, and by the way, not that you're going to go learn it and go start choking out people. It's not why you learn it, but it gives you a sense of confidence to know if you're in a situation, especially now in some of these cities with that people have gone crazy, you know that you have a plan that you can implement well, and that's that actually can give you like, a chance when i first yeah. start teaching people like if i ever have a sense that you're not a good person i don't teach people like that mm. like, just because i mean honestly i mean if you learn how to do a rear naked choke and you know how to apply it i mean you, you know how to kill somebody yeah like, I'm, I'm teaching you how to actually end someone's life right very easily and rapidly so it's like in your first and last name and date of birth please <laughs> so, so if you're of a of bad character, I'm not gonna be responsible. Yeah, that's right some real sensei shit, man. Yeah, yeah it's real. it's it's a it's a it's a it's a wonderful discipline and it's it's incredible. So um anytime you want, you're always welcome. Yeah, it's fun you. to come play around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah you super come over my, my gym. I, I'm in Henderson. You come shots. and have some fun. But I am so grateful of A that you were at the show, B that you agreed to do this, and 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 C that you're just such a wonderful giving human being that. can i just say yeah it is impressive how present you are like you do the show hundreds of times a year or whatever you've been doing it four years as well but you make it seem like it's the first show ever you know what i mean and you're so present with people that are in the audience like you touched my shoulder going past you know what i mean and that was had nothing to do with until it was 40 minutes later before you announced to the audience that i was there or whatever you know what I'm saying? And it was just like, some people need to like tune out everything and not be aware of anything to kind of to do their job or whatever. But you seem to be hyper aware of everything. You know what I mean? That's, that's around you and your surroundings. And that is just so, it's so pleasant to witness. And it's amazing because you could easily, well, you both, both of you could easily be walking around with boas and fur coats I'm so grateful for the beautiful, kind words and the sentiment. Um, but you're only as good as your last show. And if I die tonight or tomorrow, I'm only as good as what I did in my last show. And I was told that as a young teenager, 13 or 14 years old, and I take that really serious. I must 
give 100% of what I'm capable of in that moment to the audience because they paid their hard-earned money to come see me when they had 500 other choices in Vegas, and I got to deliver every bit of me, no matter what's going on in my personal life, no matter what injuries I have, if I can get up out of bed and, and, and walk, I have to do the show because I used to come to Vegas when I had no money. I stayed in the cheapest hotels. I used to walk from one part of the strip to the other part of the strip because I couldn't afford a car to rent. And I had a show that I paid tickets, paid for tickets when I was in New York before I flew out here and the show was canceled. And I swore because I knew how I felt that if I could walk, I would never cancel a show. And I would always give a hundred percent if I'm on that stage, because every audience at the end of the day will never be in the same room ever again in the history of the world. That's my one unique opportunity to experience this with them. And I got to give every part of me to do that. You know who you sound like? Who? Kobe Bryant. That is mama mentality all day long. That motherfucker used to play through injuries and his wife would ask him like, you could just rest it. And he's like, no, what about the people that paid to see me? That they don't really like, it's not fair for them to understand that like my fourth toe is pointing left. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get out there and play. You know what I mean? Like, that's a moment. That's a, I respect it. Yeah. And I well, respect, I respect you, so you much. and I love you and I love I'm you. I respect and you so I'm much. I'm grateful too, for this opportunity. Likewise. So we're going to wrap it up right now. We hope you enjoyed the surprise episode of Talking Junkies. Make sure you check us out. We'll put out episodes when we feel it's right. We're doing this for fun, not because we have to, but because we want to. We'll see you next time. These motherfuckers will be flying, yo. It's crazy. Crazy. This is Chris Angel's Talking Junkies.